Let's get it going. Uh, tonight I am not. Uh, are you, are you going to do the musical intro, Luke? No, I'm. I, I'm feeling. I, I feel we should just just dive right on in. Because sometimes Luke does this. Musical. Yeah, like once in a while I get like kind of like you know goofy and I'll just like start doing like random um, like intro music, but not tonight. Not tonight. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm are you sure? sure? Okay. I'm sure. I'm sorry. Because um. Okay, we're waiting for the stream to start. This yeah. whole thing has to like, however it works, catch up. It's, it's, we'll have oh, plenty of time. Oh, there we go. We're plenty going. Oh, we are live. We are we're live. live. All right. Hey. It's alive. Welcome to uh, Robot and the Bear, episode twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yes. Wow. And, uh, we're here with special guest yes. Ernie Wolf the Third. That would be Ernie. Ernie, or not Ernest Wolf the Third? No, I am. I am. I'm sorry. I. Misunderstood your oh, pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I said it weird. <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, I am. I am Ernie, Ernie Wolf, Wolf the Third. Owns uh, three galleries just down the street uh, from Giant Robot Gallery, and has I'm, been a fixture of the LA art scene for a very long time. A long time. I've had this gallery since 1981. So wow, wow, a okay. long time. Yeah. So what does this gallery specialize in? This African gallery is uh, a gallery that specializes in African art, basically. <laughs> but uh, it's called Turkana, not because of my fondness for Turkish tobacco products, but rather uh, the name of the people who live in northern Kenya are the Turkana. Oh. And so that was with them that I first uh, sort of fell in love with, with, with Africa and its people. So that just became one of those names that I like the sound of and so it, this is this is Turkana where we are here the gallery to the north 1653 is called the Ernie Wolf Gallery I've had that since 1988 and the one to the south uh, 1657 Sawtell was actually purpose built by my grandfather and father in 1960 as the home for what was then Wolf Worldwide Films which was a 35 millimeter uh, slide uh, transparency business. Oh. It was mail order and uh, obsolescence was in the air and it eventually got blown out. Mm. So, anyway, uh, I took it back after 30 years of having it be uh, occupied by a tenant and uh, lo and behold, it also became a gallery. Nice, yeah. nice. Right on. Yeah. So, Today is September 11th. Yes, um, it is. A, a crazy day, uh, or a crazy memorial day, I suppose. Um, what were you doing that September 11th? You know, uh, I was upstairs here at Sautel, and it absolutely makes uh, Sautel more and more of the epicenter of my life mm. um, because uh, I watch TV, and, and uh, early in the morning there's... TV, and uh, because of the time in the East Coast when the planes struck the buildings, we actually saw in real time the second plane hit mm. this, the second tower. And uh, the first one was on fire when we, when we turned on the TV. Yeah. So my wife uh, is a part-time marsupial, and uh, that's only to say that the children are never far. And... Um, <laughs> And so we were all in bed together, right upstairs, literally upstairs. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we turned on the TV, and there we were watching it. Uh, 
right. as the planes flew in. And, and uh, people always say, you know, where were you at that moment? Well, that's where we were. And uh, there was, there's lots of poignancy about that, about that date. Uh, but part of it is that I had gone to Williams College, which is in the East Coast, and there were uh, a number of people who I believed, uh, Wall Streeters and such, who mm. might be involved in that particular, uh, in, the, in the collapse of the buildings and all the havoc that was rained upon us. And uh, it wasn't until a number of days later that I realized that I think uh, one person from Williams was only killed. Uh That's obviously too many. But it could have been much worse. And I had friends that had uh, uh, this one of my great friends. His daughter ran out of uh, the World Trade Center just as it was collapsing. And uh, so... There's lots of lots of those tales, and as it ends up, I was having a show two weeks after the fall of the Trade Towers uh, in New York on Broadway, uh, south of Houston, and uh, of Ghanaian movie posters. Right. And uh, we we had a lot of discussions as to whether or not we should proceed with that show. And ultimately, we all decided it wasn't. It was close to a no-brainer that the only thing we really could do was the show must go on. Right. And so we had a great show. Um, it was at Cavan Morris Gallery, um, and uh, sort of the rest is history. That was just after the show uh, at, at UCLA of this same work, uh, except that was a not-for-sale show, obviously. At the Fowler Museum. Anyway, uh, 9-11. 9-11 is a big deal. You, you know, know, I was in, I think, in my bed, too, when I when it all happened. So at least I have that in common with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all were because it was so early. But I did yeah. wake up early enough where um, I, too, saw on TV the second plane hit the tower. Uh, just federal in LaGrange, down the street from where you're probably at, which is here. But, um, yeah, I, too, saw it. And... Uh, yeah, I didn't know what to make. It was one of those things that you're stuck to the TV set uh, for the next, I don't know, week or something like that, uh, just watching yeah. everything. And uh, I'm a news junkie, uh, maybe a little bit of a, you know, I'm into thinking that everything was staged. and. Oh, so you were, little, into the, you were intrigued by bit, the conspiracy. A little bit of conspiracy, but I mean, so I watched, I ended up watching a lot of news because I'm just like looking for whatever weird inconsistencies and you know, well, you there, live there, in there. a lot of different time zones as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the point is we're all sort of internationalists. Mm-hmm. And if you're of that ilk, um, the, what happens in the rest of the world, in spite of what might appear on our local TVs, uh, is very important. Mm-hmm. And you have a, a Japanese orientation that's, you know, undeniable. And, and I have an African uh, bias or an interest in all events African. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's quite remarkable how little of that actually makes the uh, the news here. Right. Yeah. Uh, or none? No, yeah, no or none. basically now none. Now that there isn't Al Jazeera any longer, basically none. Wait, Al Jazeera is no longer? Well, Al Jazeera is a, is a regular uh, broadcast TV entity oh, was okay. sent away. Uh, in the last, I don't know, a couple of years. 
But for instance, when I was just recently in Ghana, um, I spent some quality time in my room and I did watch Al Jazeera, uh, Al Jazeera on TV mm-hmm. at that point. And it ends up also that, that since I've been going to Hong Kong, that the person who I know best there, who's a news broadcaster, mm-hmm. is also affiliated with uh, Al Jazeera. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I feel like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, what's Eric doing? So I, I guess, you know, um, before we, get, you know, really, you know, dive into this, um, we should probably do what we usually do on this show, and that Please. is the top five. Oh my! <laughs> the top five is a starter. That's the rough. Top five is because you know the top five is actually kind of a um, is a throwback to the Giant Robot magazine back when Eric was still publishing that, and he used to have like a top ten for every issue. But I think at the time, you know, the magazine was only being published quarterly. Uh, Or was it bi-monthly? Six times bi-monthly. Bi-monthly. So, you know, finding like top ten things that, that, you know, resonate with you across two months is easy. You know, uh, for uh, Eric and I, it usually becomes like the top five things that, you know, we either interacted with or encountered or had thoughts about, you know, this week. You know, so, but usually for our guests, you know, you're able to kind of go a lot deeper because, you know, when was the last time you were asked to talk about the top five things in your life? But uh, not so recently. <laughs> we'll, so, start, we'll start with Luke. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, uh, I'll start with I saw Massive Attack uh, last week. Uh, they were touring with um, on tour. I haven't like listened to the band in over a decade, and here they are playing live in freaking Los Angeles and they were playing their mezzanine album, which is their best album along with Elizabeth Frazier was on tour. And, wow. um, you know, like, and, uh, this one guy, Rastafari guy who also sang on the album was there and he's like in his eighties and he sounded great. So, um, Elizabeth Frazier is the lead singer of Cocteau twins. Yep. Oh, yeah. wow. And I love Cocteau twins. Me too. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Today, uh, my number two is um, well, like, is the Long Beach Zine Fest. Um, we heard about it last week from Eric, and I cruised out there because I love zines, and I bought a lot. Bought like maybe like thirty dollars worth, which is a lot. Well, maybe forty. No, actually, probably like fifty dollars worth of zines. I, I spent a lot of money. Those on zines. magazines. Yeah, they're like um, homemade, like photocopied or nice. like you technically know, a fanzine. I guess you would say, right? Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. ephemera. Yeah, exactly. And like the sometimes you know some of the 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 little magazines that you're buying are like experimental in nature, and some of them are just like art, or you know some of them just ha- are filled with like crazy diatribes. You know, and stuff like that. And I, I love all of that stuff. I think it's all very entertaining and interesting and kind of grassrootsy, you know, so it's just something that I enjoy. Um, my number three is today was the last day of the Let's Eat show. And I want to take a second to thank well, all the artists who participated um, Sarah Jo Marks and Dove Kelmer for um, co curating and helping put the show together. And of course, you know, Eric Nakamura for hosting the show. And then, like, <laughs> all the fans and um, 
of all the different artists who came out and supported. Um, also want to like give a heads up to Visage if he's listening. Um, he is. We sold your piece. It, it was yes. like it was a, it was like literally <laughs> the last uh, piece to to sell from the show. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's like, sold, it sold at around six fifteen. Uh, we close at six six fifteen. Uh, the door was still open, and a guy came in and bought it. Yeah, he doesn't. He yeah. anyway. So congrats. Yeah, um, my is in uh, he's in Mexico City. Uh, and he's 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 actually watching us now. It looks like so. Oh, is he? He said hello. Yeah. Oh, awesome. He's an artist from Mexico City, and yeah. we sold your piece. Yeah. So Congre- you know what? Saves postage. Yes. <laughs> I'll take the money over postage. So, okay. Yeah. Congrats. Um, my number four is the Blab Show, and the that's a show hosted by Copro Gallery in Santa Monica, and put on um, curated by Monte Bouchon or is it Bouchamp. I can't I can't remember his name at the time, but it used to be a magazine called Blab, and the lineup it was a great show. Like if you have the time, if you're in Santa Monica, I think from Wednesday through Saturday, um, I recommend going to Bergamot Station to Copro Gallery and checking it out. Um, great show. Um, Is that called the Bergamonster as well? <laughs> Is it? I I, I I was an original member of he, the Bergamonster. He had a gallery there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For oh. five years, almost. Oh, it's completely changed. Uh, completely. Completely. Like once Track Sixteen, like Track got, Sixteen was the reason I was there. Yeah. Uh, when when it got, to, were you part of Track Sixteen? Or? No, not officially, but I'm. It was your motivation good. for opening a gallery. Uh, there. Well, yeah. Uh, Tom Patchett mm-hmm. is a very good friend and was a client at that point. And uh, so one of the worst calls you can get is the one where your large client calls you and says, oh, and by the way, I'm opening a gallery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I found out about the Bergamonster. So I Well, the Bergamonster is not a Bergamonster anymore. Yeah. No, no, I understand. <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's literally been facetious. chopped to pieces. It's, it's kind of sad. Like, you know, from I remember like – the first time visiting um, uh, Bergamot and like was kind of blown away by it, and now it's just it just pales in compared to what I remember it being. Well, uh, it's a it's a, still a fantastic place, and it's I think it's very important to have an art destination. Agreed. In our town, and there's still some and, great galleries and there. And there there are great galleries there, mm-hmm. but it's also a place that uh, hasn't quite figured out what it is. No, it, it's. From what I understand, like a good half, a good third of it has been bought up by other, like you know, um, like businesses. Like there's a restaurant there now, and like what you know, ballet. It was very tightly controlled by the city of Santa Monica initially, right? And uh, they they precluded, for instance, restaurants except for the the, the Bergamot Cafe, right? right. And uh, and there was no outdoor art and. There were lots of lots of things that happened when, when yeah. Wayne was king and Tom was his also king. You're about, to, you're, Tom about to say, you're about to say queen. I, <laughs> no, I wasn't. It's actually. okay, <laughs> Tom. You're queen. It's okay. Anyways, and my number one um, is iPhone 11. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Announced yesterday. Yep. Wow. I'm pretty excited about it because I am. I usually wait two generations before I get a. A phone. Uh, I replaced my phone, and 
Um, it's uh, this is an old uh, seven plus, wow. and I'm uh, it's time to take it up to eleven. Wow! And I'm still wondering to myself, what happened to nine? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. There was no nine. There was no nine. Yeah. It went from number nine. Eight, yeah. It went from eight to ten. It went from ten. seven. Yeah, eight and ten were released at the same time. Yeah, that's true. And then you know, so that's me skipping that generation and then jumping into. I have a ten. Um, oh, which I don't even begin to pretend that I can operate. <laughs> but but you know the one thing about it is it has a great camera. This is the point is yeah. that I except for the ergonomics, there that is. It may take good pictures, and it, those things do, but they are like holding onto a block of cement or a, or a bar of soap or something. They they don't fit well as a platform to take pictures from or right. with. Mm-hmm. It depends on the size that you also have, too. Like, do you have the large one or do you have the smaller one? I, I don't know which one I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I got it's not a giant one. It but, fits in my pocket. So the new one now has um, three cameras. Uh, close, oh, super wide, wide, yeah, and yeah. a telephoto. Oh, no. The, yeah. For a long time, computers, cameras have been computers. And so it's just about uh, they're figuring it out. Yeah. I have noticed from a long time, I've been a Nikon guy. Again, Wolf Worldwide Films, right? Mm-hmm. 1960, my dad. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Nikons and uh, Nikromats and all those, all those various cameras before when there was film. And the point is that if you try and take a picture of a sunset with a Nikon, it's very difficult. Mm. But if you take the same picture with an iPhone, you can be an awesome photographer. Yep. You can get all those <laughs> colors and stuff. <laughs> and if you don't get it right, you could just get it right the next shot well, this one is, moment later. Yeah. 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 You can, can adjust adjusted. it. You, yeah, you can adjust it right on the fly. Right. Amazing. Anyway. Yeah. So, so um, I... So one thing I was curious about, and this is going to sound really dumb in a way, but that camera that they have on there looks and sounds amazing. It's got a lot of megapixels. How much better is the camera going to get on a cell phone? It's going to keep getting better? I mean, oh, yeah. To what level? Because this is like getting toward an SLR or what do you call it? Like a, you know, a, digital, a high-end digital camera, right? It's getting right. there. Right. Is it going to soon be as if it's a full chip camera, like a, you know, getting a whatever it is, Canon D5 or whatever they are, you know, the, the Nikon highest. Nikon 750. Whatever. I don't know what that is, but is that what that is? That's mean, the full frame. I'm just wondering when yeah, is, big I mean, chip. eventually this little phone is going to be as good as that. But, yeah, I but think I that's mean, the goal. Is, but isn't it already close enough? Like, no. It, it's not. No, it's not. So, like, do you want one where you can shoot artwork perfectly and not have to, like, send it, and yes. send it out to get, you know? That would be yes. At that level, if your camera... On your phone could be that good, where you could shoot art, and that's it's publishable, like perfect. You know, it would be awesome. I don't That'd think it'll, I perfect. don't. I don't think it'll ever be possible because the key to shooting artwork is also lighting. You know, you need yeah, to have like even gonna light. Have, it's going to have a filter though that fixes it. You know, uh, I don't, like like I don't technology. Know. I man. don't think. I don't think. <laughs> Do you the, believe in technology? I don't think the AI <laughs> is quite there yet. I don't think Not the yet. AI will be there it's for another a, decade. AI. It's about manipulation by a human. Of a of an image, yeah, but like if the if the phone can do it for you, so you don't have to well, open up Photoshop. Or like, like, well, is, like is eventually far better. Like, <laughs> like, like will, will a camera a will a camera on a phone? Can you push it and it'll get rid of the background, so the background will just be white? Like, is that going to be ever possible? So you know, like you shoot it against. It's pretty the, close, right? It's you can close. just like boom, push a button, and all of a sudden the background's gone. So now it looks like you're shooting an object on a white 
screen. I'm sure there'll be an adjustment right? that Someday. you can push. You yeah. know, when and I that will do. I photograph my art with my phone all the time, and when I do, like, if I open it up into the uh, the photo edit thing, it'll like figure out like what the straightest edge, uh, like what would be the most ideal straight, you know, orientation, and it'll just instantly turn the the image for me to to what it thinks is like square. You know, oh, um, wow. so I go like so. If it's a little bit cocked to the right or to the left, it'll just go tick. So it automatically. Right. So it does that. Yeah, it that's, yeah. Well, that's, that's the amazing. beginning of something very important, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Parallax, but, but doesn't always get it right. So. Right, right. There is that. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's um, I don't know. There, but yeah, I, I'm curious. To, I'm I I already put down the pre-order for like the you know super large pro one. Wow. Just because I'm like you know like. If I'm going to go, <laughs> might as well go, you know, but like, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. All right. So I guess I'll go next. Yes, please. Number five, uh, top five for me. Oh, number one, I'm going to say right now, since I noticed it, uh, LA Weekly Arts retweeted uh, this podcast. What? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> maybe it's because your name was in oh, that. Right. It yeah. must be that. Your name was in the Twitter when I wrote. I said, were we with Ernie Wolf the Third and... uh they retweeted it. It's the first time I think they've ever retweeted our podcast. Wow. Live, like a live, you know? So that's no, kind of cool. I, that's think, nice. I think that's you because uh, – Yeah, we, that's you. <laughs> we, were, we were once famous in, yeah. in yeah. L.A. Weekly for uh, actually the show of movie posters of, at the Fowler. Mm. I think uh, we UCLA. Got, yeah, yeah at, at, in 2001. And I believe we were the – the show you should have all seen or something like that. Awesome. The best show of the year or something. Wow. Um, but yeah. So which is I, pretty good. We've done this, what? This is 20th time. Yeah. Only at number 28 had they ever retweeted our thing. So yeah. I it, feel it's special. got your name in it. Yeah. I think it's you. It is you. It is not me. It's not There's There's been 27 <laughs> where they just didn't care, but here it is. So, yeah. so uh, I guess number uh, – I'll go – I'm going backwards. So that was number one or five. I don't even know. So, okay, number – Two patches and pins expo San Diego. in San Diego. I drove down to San Diego on Saturday, set up, sold pins basically, and uh, it was fun. Uh, there's an appetite for that still. Enamel pins. Uh, no, yeah. Enamel Did pins. you have one of those little uh, hats? No. Those, uh... No, it was uh, that place, of course. You know, <laughs> whenever there's an event, air conditioning doesn't work. So right. it was hot and sweaty inside. Even in San Diego. Yes. It was hot and sweaty inside, no air conditioning, and uh, we suffered through it for about six to six hours, I guess, until it started cooling down. Oh, jeez. But uh, it was very hot inside. But then you could have been outside, which actually felt better because it was a breeze, but you'll make better sales inside, I have to say. <laughs> like, outside, I just don't think you're going to make sales. because yeah, you're under the sun. Yeah, inside, you're going to And I'm sales. not the only vampire in this world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Although so um, maybe in this room. <laughs> that's true. So Long Beach Zine Fest, uh, same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a, I had a table, and uh, again, uh, from publishing zines in 1991, I guess, or 93. No, when I started, 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being involved in that since that time, um, it was awesome that uh, I bet I was one of the oldest vendors there. <laughs> I'm probably the oldest vendor there, right? Maybe, 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 but you're definitely not the oldest person there. There was like some. Oh yeah, no. yeah, but and then those guys were coming <laughs> to me. People who are fifty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no people like no sixty, sixty, seventy. Yeah. But, no, they, they, but like, they were. Um, I had a lot of them coming to meet and buying a zine, saying, "Hey, I remember you guys from the beginning." So um, it was really awesome. It felt like a homecoming in a way, but 
I guess I'm still making zines, and they're, the kids are buying some too. So the kids are still buying some. Yeah, they're they're buying up the Barry McGee's and the. Yeah, uh, they're buying stuff. stuff. So yeah, anyways, it was uh, working out, and uh, I always forget that uh, zine fests are really important. So yeah, hope right. there's more. Yeah. Um, okay, the next uh, two are going to be really cheesy because one Succession, the TV show. You ever watch that? Do you watch TV? No, like I that? do watch TV, but I haven't seen the Succession show. is uh, about a billionaire family, sort of like Rupert This Murdoch. is like the second time it's showed up on your top five. Oh, you I must love really love it. I love that show, man. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's on season two and episode, is it four or five? And it's amazing. And oh, it's just the most. Maybe I should start watching it. The family is just so fucked up. I love it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick every, it up and start every watching. Every week, there are tons of cringe moments in the show. And it's meant to be serious. Like, And uh, there's tons of cringy moments in it. Yeah, oh. and it's it's uh, amazing. And then uh, another stupid TV show is the fabulous Gemstones. It's like a, about a, a super me- a mega church family. Oh, how was that? Uh, I love that show. It's so dumb and it's so good. <laughs> it's about a mega church family, but it, it's a comedy. Oh it's it's pure oh. comedy, pure jokey, um, but it's just funny because it kind of makes fun of it all in a way. Mm. Yeah, and it just again. I think I like watching fucked up people because uh, that, that's a show with a very fucked up family and I'm watching it just going, wow, look how fucked up they are. And I, I love watching it. So there's my top five. Wow. Oh, okay. Passing it on, passing the ball to Ernie Wolf now. Wow. Mr. Wolf. Well, and you could, you could just freestyle it. I, you can. Uh, yeah. Since I don't even have a phone to look at a list from, <laughs> um, I would say that I would not be as localized as you fellows. That's okay. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the most... I don't know if this is number one or number five. They're all sort of equivalent. Yeah. But um, I finally today today uh, finalized the uh, the details of a show that I'm having in New York uh, in the middle of October at a new museum called the Poster House of these uh, hand painted Ghanaian uh, movie posters, awesome. Golden Age examples, as they say. And so that has been three years in the gestation. And today, today, I spoke to the director and we worked out all of our situations that were already supposed to have been worked out, but we're now beyond worked out. It's coming up soon, Mac. Yeah. Next month, yeah. Congratulations. Aye, yeah. aye, aye. So thank you. And uh, as a part of that, I, uh, I sent money to all the Africans today, mm-hmm. and that was a really good feeling. All the artists are uh, well paid at the moment, and and uh, feeling as if uh, we're all in this together, which of course we are. Um, and it's you know it's been a lot of fun to try and keep transparency uh, alive and well in my relationship with those guys, uh, even though uh, when I met them almost 30 years ago, the beginning of my quest for this uh, material um they were teenagers and so more than half of their life has been spent waiting for me to have this show wow <laughs> you know I, I mean not to interrupt your top five but this is one of, actually something that you and i were talking about like when uh, we first got into the gallery was the um Ghanaian, uh movie posters and like i had told you that you know, one of my first introductions or most conscious introductions to this entire thing was on Instagram. And I remember going to Chicago and where I chatted with, met with the, um, the Deadly Prey Gallery who are bringing in modern versions right. of these um, things. And, you know, but apparently, like, 
the reason why any of I this was the has precursor. the yeah has even kind of made its way into the um, North American consciousness is because of you. And you even published the, a couple books. I, I I wrote what I hope are the seminal books on this on this subject. Uh, the long and the short of it is that from the mid uh, 1980s until about the year 2000, uh, there existed the opportunity for the best and the brightest sign painters in Africa to get together and make these amazing images that were, in effect, the advertising that accompanied uh, which was large, what was largely a mobile cinema, uh, something that traveled around before there was an electrical grid, so that every cassette in Ghana had a, uh, a poster that traveled with it and with a gas power generator and speakers and uh, the most rudimentary of equipment. They brought the outside world to the hinterland of Ghana, and that's how these how these paintings came about. And so I've spent a lot of time trying to bring light to the to the individual artists and to the to the form in general, uh, to the point where I know the artists themselves very well, and I can spot their individual hands. They painted enough of these that they and they were developed enough good enough painters that they have very distinguishing features, uh, techniques, uh, iconic uh, imagery that they make and, and that, that you can use to identify their work. And so they also signed and dated them. So that made it a lot easier. So are these posters even really being employed across Ghana now? or No, they're not anymore because uh, ultimately technology pushed them aside the price point of making advertising art, uh, once there was computer-generated imagery, uh, reduced it to the cost of a offset printing or a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the reason why Ghana uh, is unique in having produced these, these beautiful paintings is that they had very restrictive uh, import laws in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And so... It was not easy, if not impossible, to get uh, uh, the machines in the country to make copies of the cassettes and also uh, to make offset printing. Mm-hmm. So it gave the, the sign painters a chance to to really dig their heels in and become the final line of defense against, uh, in a very classic uh Sort of man against machine way, mm-hmm. they were able to stand their 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 their. They stood up against uh, technology and produced what they called crowd pullers, which were images that they associated with the film that may or may not have had anything to do <laughs> with what was in the original film, and that's where they get great. So um. I, I guess if we can just keep going, even though this is your top five, we're in, we're interrupting it, man. No, no, this, is how, this is how the top five works. That's so, always uh, no, best. a good top five is one where you can't get through your top five. That means yeah. it's That's, a pretty good one. Okay, that means it's great. Um, but I've always wondered. So they're painting uh, a, a specific style. It seems like there's a, there's definitely a style with how they're painting. But can they? Do they personally paint differently, or is that just for you know what I mean? Do they have a style for movie posters, but they go home and paint like? You know, Walt Disney style. 
Or well, is this just exactly the, what they what, how they do it? They 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 paint in a regional style, and that style comes to a large degree from their having been the apprentices of particular artists who had a particular style, and so they follow that. Oh, I see. So um, it's for instance, the, the central part of Ghana, which is not really the central, but it's inland, is Kumasi. Kumasi has a completely different style movie poster than does um, the coast, which is maybe a craw. And so um, not only is the format different, these these paintings are so organic. They're so uh, made out of uh, recycled material that literally they were painted on flower sacks right. initially. And that's flower sacks because it's very tightly woven and they would take paint but also because they were able to uh, get them cheaply and roll them up or fold them up in between showings, and they could travel on the top of the buses oh, with, the, with whatever gear they had so that they could move them around. Remember that painting has always existed in Africa, but uh, largely on board, and that's because of the stationary use that most paintings involved. Um, and so... These were made to be portable and mobile, and so they took a material canvas that uh, that was uh, suitable for that, and uh, that's that's why they painted on. So your your show you know, in New York is, I mean, like you you mentioned that like I mean one of the things that we we had talked about was like yes um, the kind of um, po- the painted posters that you know. I was introduced to are obviously kind of modern remake, almost made like reinterpretations of the classic um, uh, mo- uh, painted posters that are coming out of Ghana. Um, is your New York show going to be all just classic like stuff from the 20th? Or the- I think the difference is that the, the paintings that I'm going to be showing were not made for us, but rather for the local market. Mm. And that's a very, Big uh, and distinguishing. So they were. They were. These were used. Possibly. They right? were all used. Yeah, they, they were, were used. all. They're, they're, yeah. They fall into that beautiful area. That's you know, the art artifact. Where were it not for their wear patterns, you could not substantiate their having been used. Whereas the paintings that are made more recently, with us in mind, uh, they put on the floor and they walk on them and they do all kinds of stuff mm. to make them try and be old. But ultimately, they were never nailed to a to a board on the side of the road, catching the mud from the wheels of the buses that passed by. So they didn't ever do any really good road service mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a big difference between posters that were made for us and those that were made for their local uh as a part of their local use. It sounds like you developed a relationship with a lot of these artists um, from Ghana. Are they still kind of, like, do you know what kind of artwork they're doing now? Are they... Um, it's, it's very interesting. Um, again, the kids... Remember that the, that the people don't live that long in West Africa. Mm. And so I'm not really to the point where my friends are dying yet. Wait, but how 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 when do they? What's their average age? In their forties, they start to slip off the plate. Wow. Yeah, 
And so, and so anybody, there are very, very old people, but there are tons of young people. Mm. And, um, for instance, one of the guys that I deal with, his grandmother or great-grandmother just died, and she was supposedly 116. So they can live very, very long. A lot of people do. But there are also many people who, uh, because of their lifestyle, because of uh, the things that happened to them, just by being there, they don't last that long. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, I hijacked the question about what what do they paint today? What do they? What well, they what they paint today is they. What I started to say was this: um, many of the people who painted in the first iteration of this work no longer paint movie posters. Right. I'd say ninety percent, ninety five percent, and that's because they teach or they do something else or. You know, they did it for 25 years, maybe, but they don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they, they didn't do it for 25 years. They did it for a shorter period of time than that. Mm-hmm. But in any case, um, they painted them when they when they uh, when it was a vibrant part of their life. And um, nowadays, some of them have tried to to. Uh, to become artists in the real world, in the larger world of uh, international art, but not always successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of, they all benefited, I think, by having that uh, competition between themselves that they were trying to get their jobs. And so they painted with a freshness and a spirit in their first. Uh, works that they could not replicate otherwise. So that's that's. So they they don't. They, many of them are not painters any longer. Mm-hmm. Some of them run schools. Some of them became taxi drivers. Uh, some of them became uh, car spray paint pay, play, uh, painters. Mm-hmm. They you know they've the purity of the form is lost on them now, and they don't participate. In such a way that uh, that suggests they were that they were ever involved necessarily. Mm. I guess that's kind of what happens with a lot of you know artists everywhere. Yeah, you yeah, either their, make it or you time, don't. Their yeah. time comes and they and they shine and they're really happy and then and then time passes them by. And quite frankly, it's largely a young person's sport. You know where people are. Uh, who really paint paint crazily and um, and the best and the brightest are not the people necessarily who paint those pictures anymore. They go for the international market where there's money and all that stuff. When did you think? When did the international market kind of like blossom or come to, come to being? Well, it's yet to be really right. in in many parts of Africa. Well, you could easily make the point that African art has yet to achieve uh, the prominence that a lot of other uh, non-American art forms have. And that means that, that they are truly sponsored by the world at large. And normally, that, in order for that to happen, um, my view is that that is best accomplished when there's a local market. Uh, and that hasn't really happened in Ghana. Um, the, uh, the 
the, the Chinese antique market, let's say, mm-hmm. became very vibrant when the Chinese started buying the best Shang and Joe bronzes mm-hmm. at auction at Sotheby's. And so at that point, pedigree became a big situation and all those things that, uh, that make for a modern market d- these days uh, came into play. But uh, Africa has always, even though it's the cradle of civilization, and we all absolutely come from there, mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily believe that, uh, that there has been the opportunity for African art to be shown at its, uh, at its finest or to be appreciated. Unfortunately, it's a very shaky cradle. Yeah, of course. And, and that's why this show in New York is so important. For me, because it will bring in into the light um, the work of these guys who are very, very serious about it, and uh, and painted these paintings for you know a dozen years, um, but at the same time they uh, they 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 stopped painting them, and uh, and the world went on without them. Right. Wait, what part of New York's that in? It's, it's in there. Chelsea. It's at oh, wow. it's at the a place called the Poster House. Poster House. Is yeah. that near the Whitney? Because that's in Chelsea. No, it's, I don't know where the Whitney is oh, nowadays. Okay. Yeah, I think, it's, it's in, I think it's in Chelsea. It could well be. Yeah. This is at 6th Avenue and uh, 23rd Street. Right on. So Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's a brand new museum and it's dedicated to ephemera. So it's it should be a great, a great show. Cool. And it's 40 posters and... They, you know, they're all the best artists are represented, and the styles will be called out. And uh, over time, I think that that's where my direction has changed into more of the style of the individual artists <clears throat> rather than the genres of the paintings or the movies that they represent. So, wow. anyway. Sounds rad. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a... See that's that's a, a big deal for me. It's and a that's, big that's, deal. that's a that's awesome. And that's a hot number one on yeah, the top five right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to pull away no, from no, no, that okay. awesome. here. That's, that's yeah, what you're that, supposed. That's you know, how. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's why the guests' top fives are always the most interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's a big one for me. Cool. Um, so how many more do I have? To come <laughs> <up>? <laughs> that pretty much took the whole air out of the room. Um, yeah. Oh, there's there's so much to talk about here yeah. because it's like you know I mean, you know um, if you were able to if I you know see like th- like this gallery I mean yeah a lot of it is African art but then when you look at Gaff- uh, in Gallery One you have a lot of contemporary art too. Well, that's uh, I've whatever I've done has always been through juxtaposition. I very much believe that uh, if you know something about one thing. You can use that knowledge as a, well, if you want, as a pry bar to get your way into the other object that it's shown with. And that that's the most important tool is the visual mnemonic of, of, uh, of trying your best to put something together that surprises people, that people will know something about one side and they'll, on the basis of that, pry into the other one. And so... Um, yeah, I've, I've always shown contemporary American art alongside African art. And that's, that's sort of the, the niche that I exist in. 
Well, I mean, you know, cool. you, you, like you said, you're saying you, you've had these galleries since this one here since 81, the one next door, that's the focus gallery that changes. It gets naked and can become whatever. Um, this one is pretty, is pretty stuck in its ways. Um, but the other ones can change. And, uh, that that one across the way is an eighty eight. So this almost a looks long like time. A, looks almost looks like things in this gallery are almost not for sale is how it looks to me. Right. But I guess I'm gonna well, guess that I guess you know anything that, could be for sale, I suppose. It's, but it's amazing. It just, I, I always consider that well, first of all, the, the quality of the stuff that's here is really good. Pretty much everything in here is of museum quality, which means you could if you weren't to see it here, you could see it at a museum as a standalone object or as part of a collection. And it could, it could uh, stand muster under those circumstances. At the same time, uh, the other galleries are meant to focus your eye on some concept. Or, for instance, there's the CCC show, S-E-E-S-E-A-S-I, that's uh, across the way. And that is just kind of one of those things where um, I'm a water guy, and I like, uh, I did a show five years ago, six years ago, called Local Fish, Piscatorial Perceptions, something fishy from all my friends. And this is... <laughs> I was like, wait, the title's, no, still, it's the true. title's it's, still going, man. It keeps going, and it, right. the further you awesome. go, the more it goes. Anyway, this CCC show is meant to be kind of like that, and it allows me to... Um, to have a gallery on Sautel where I can show great art together, along with really terrific contemporary African. Mm -hmm. And this is this room here is basically a room that has to do with uh, tribal art or, or uh, traditional stuff. It's not contemporary stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not signs or, or African paintings as such. Um, so much. There's a lot of stuff in here, so there's <laughs> everything, but but at the same time, uh, it's it's not focused on on just that. I think um, earlier when we were waiting for you outside, um, I mentioned that Joe Coleman showed here, and Luke got kind of excited about that. Oh, I love Joe, Joe Coleman. Coleman. Wrote the introduction to the first book. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's a very very good friend, and actually is up opening a show in New York uh, shortly after. About a week after, actually, my show opens in at the Poster House, and we're going to stay out there and see his exhibition. So well, he has um, an exhibition up right now. Yeah, he will. He will at the uh, Edland Gallery. Oh fuck! I need hmm. to get up to New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I remember one time my, um, my show goes know. all the way till January, which oh, is you'll have time then. Yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe Coleman's probably one of my favorite. Um, Lowbrow backslash folk kind of. Well, and uh, Robert Williams is a great fan, and and a, he wrote the introduction to the second book, oh. and he's of course the co-founder of Juxtapose Magazine. Yes, yes. I wrote. I'm a, a big Robert Williams fan as well. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I have next door a beautiful Robert Williams, and in this room where the focus is, uh, 1653, his wife Suzanne Williams is mm -hmm. in that show. Oh yeah, yeah. She does uh, like geometric abstract. Exactly, completely 
completely, <laughs> utterly yeah, different yeah, than yeah. his, to the point where they said they did not want to be shown in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, you know, because I, mean, I have space now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There's, a, there's actually a Ernie Wolf Gallery, number three. That's yeah. right. So, That's you know, the one, 1657. I, you just had to so top me, huh? So I have a giant robot store, and I have well, GR2. Well, you know, well, there, there <laughs> is e, there's EW3 on this in this block right yeah, here. Yeah, well, that's because we're the northern influence. <laughs> <laughs> I so I, I remember um, when I was driving, gosh, I think I was probably going to the shops or something like that. Years ago, and I don't even remember what year, I saw Joel Coleman outside of the gallery, standing right outside. Right. It was probably in the morning, like earlier. I don't know if it was an install time or I don't know what he was. He was right outside. I honked. He doesn't know who I am, but I honked and I waved and I just drove on by. But I mean, he was probably like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, Joe Coleman <laughs> is, is one of the amazing people. Yeah, um, for sure. I uh, We have lots of Joe Coleman stories, one of which was when we visited him for the first time in Brooklyn. Um, we got close and we didn't really have a good address. But we knew approximately where he lived. And there were these naked mannequins that people were carrying. And I said, follow those mannequins. <laughs> and they, of course, went right to Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we found him. Um, there are lots of stories, lots of great stories. Oh, but you, you basically, you've been around since, like, you know, like you're saying, like, 81, 88, you know, that's... Well, I... I, I Before that, you did art, correct? Uh, yeah. You know, doing your own art. I, 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 Well, I've always taken pictures. I was a photography mm. guy at Williams College, and mm. so I took a lot of pictures. But I never really made art, per se. Mm. Um, in any case, I have fresh eyes. I have good eyes. And that was that was really what drew me to Africa initially was that I was able to go to a place and see things freshly and that were hiding in plain sight and people just did not, for whatever reason, uh, enjoy them to the point that I did. You know, actually, th- this brings up something that like I'm always kind of weary of and that is the pandering. Like, are, like you see like, you know, tchotchkes that are being created that are kind of pandering to like tourists and stuff like that. Like how, like, you know, I mean like, you know, you're an American, you know, and right. I understand. You, you always bring a lot of bias into every perspective, but at the same time, uh, I, I was like the first pale face, that many of these African guys ever knew. Mm. And I was I, I good at language. I spoke their local tongues. I spoke calculator really well. Mm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so I would talk to them about aesthetics and things, about the objects that they had produced, that they, they never expected anybody would ever be interested in such things. Mm. So that kind of gave me a leg up. And having gone to Williams, I, uh, you know, from here, suddenly there was barnwood and ancient stuff. I mean, by by California terms, old old things were were common, and uh, and so I I was able to uh, kind of look at all that and go wow and take pictures of it and stuff, and uh, and that was that was sort of where I started. Mm. Um, but, you know, going to Kenya, 
was was really the the opportunity that I was looking for because I I never wanted to have a conventional job. I I never expected to. And uh, when I went to Africa, I really had no idea what I was going to do there, mm. except that I was going to teach scuba diving. Mm. But I didn't expect that my boss would have such problems with customs that there'd be months when I didn't have a job. And so I went around to the northern frontier district in Kenya to deliver everything from champagne to ammunition to his luxury safari clients. And on the way, I would see things on the sides of the road, people carrying necrests or staffs or containers, liquids, um, liquid containers. And those had surprisingly not changed, literally in as long as time had been. Um, this was be it was right at the cusp of when plastic containers came in. Mm. So I was able to see skeuomorphs, false form substitutes, where they changed the material, uh -huh. but the, the use was the same. I mean, that uh, gourd that's over there is a, uh, is a classic example of something that's the progenitor in terms of its form for all round-bottomed containers that were made subsequently, uh, you know, out of terracotta or china or metal or whatever. Right. They were mimicking gourds. Right. And that's, that's very close to the bone right there. You know, this actually kind of brings up a uh, something that I remember um, a subject that's, that came up maybe even as recently as a week ago on NPR, which where they were kind of talking about um, like African art objects in like Parisian museums, you know, and I guess a lot of the art at the time was probably stolen. Oh, the repatriation thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a nightmare right there, and I'm certainly. Not, uh, I, I'm, I'm, if I had a black patch, I could put it on my eye and some people would be very happy. Um, <laughs> you no, know, seriously, um, there, there are objects in here in this gallery that are, uh, shall we say, by some as would, would be viewed as disputed patrimony. But I, I do believe in, in the most, general terms, I guess, that objects that are, that the objects should serve as cross-cultural ambassadors, mm. that things from other lands always tell stories about the place that they came from that couldn't otherwise be told, right. and that uh. that's their most important mission, particularly as our world gets smaller, and particularly as people like ISIS um, blow up art destroy Palmyra, uh, the, the Taliban, blow up the Bamiyan Buddhas mm -hmm. in, in Afghanistan. There, you know, there are a lot of people who do not believe in graven images, and they do not believe in the importance of objects. And this is a, this is a real fistfight at the moment, right. whether or not there can be ritual visual, or virtual museums and certainly I, I come from the side that uh, protection is paramount. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and so, 
And so part of this whole thing about the French at the moment mm-hmm. is due to Brexit, that they get to stick their thumbs in the eyes of the British, who not only have kept the Elgin marbles, but in a very specific way uh, bombed, blew up, artillery fired into the royal uh, kingdom of Berlin, of Benin's uh, royal palaces in 1897. And so if you have a Benin bronze, let's just say, and that's a, that's a, a type of, of uh, lost wax bronze work that are incredibly detailed and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be correct, it has to be before this uh, 1897 event. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can see where um, there would be those who would say, oh, you know, it's important that these things be returned to Africa because they're, they're cultural objects. But I know from having been to Africa almost, uh, well, four dozen times or something, um, that unfortunately I'm offered uh, great amounts of art, which I'm never which I've never bought, nor will I ever buy, um, whose pedigree is that it came out of the National Museum. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a huge revolving door policy. If you, date all, if you look all the way back to the Egyptians, that concept of defacing, of uh, taking somebody's face on a statue and either cutting it off or redoing it so that it looks like somebody else, that's been part of humankind's endeavor from the beginning of time. Right. And so, um, and so, again, I believe that things should be preserved, that things, the Elgin marbles very specifically, mm-hmm. had they been in uh, Athens, the, the uh, smog, et cetera, and the inability of the, of the Greek governments uh, to protect them properly, would have made them less good than they are now. Mm. And uh, that's sort of like the British Museum, right? Well, that's the British Museum, yeah. yeah. Like I went there and I saw, what is it? The, is it the Parthenon is there? That's the Elgin Marbles. Those are the that, Elgin is, Marbles. What the heck is it? When I saw that, I was like, what is this doing here? Like, <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's still there. I couldn't it's believe, my, there I couldn't believe what I was looking at. That. I was like, wait a second here. Isn't this like over there and i'm like what's it doing in here but well it was a trip so yeah yeah that's what you're talking about oh it's my God. A, it's a it's one of those things wild. that that uh that you can talk and talk and talk about um but again if you if you accept as i do that these objects have transcendent value as cross-cultural ambassadors as as keyholes as wormholes into into time and space about another culture um, th- then they should be preserved. And uh, I know for a fact with uh, some of the things that I've decided to, to save or, or uh, cherish, um, that, that were it not for that, that they would have disappeared as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember very well when Nelson Mandela became the uh, president and was re- released from Robben Island and all that. Um, you know, before that, you couldn't, one could not have a South African stamp in your passport 
and go to any other country in black Africa. It was impossible. It was, and you had to either lie or it was, it was a bad deal. So I never went to those other places while Mandela was in prison. And, um, and, and basically the, the deal is that, that, uh, that Mandela, uh, his, his, his being incarcerated, uh, brought, brought pride when he was released to the Africans in general Mm -hmm. that they're still relying on. And, uh, and I think it's great that Africa exists as a as a continent, in spite of the fact that uh, Nelson Mandela is no longer with us. Hmm. How often do you visit? Well, I used to go three times every, two times every three years. I used to go twice a year. It it, it depends. Having just put two kids through college and the rest, <laughs> I I haven't been as much. But you just went recently, right? I I was just there. Uh, last month. What was that? What was that trip for? That for was that trip was specifically for the poster house. Oh, okay. Mm. For wow. my show, wow. and yeah. to meet with the artists and to uh, to bring back some commissioned artwork mm. that they had uh, that they wanted in order to uh, to to use for their advertising for the show. Cool. And we'll see what they came up with. I'm <laughs> oh, sure okay. it's great. Oh, you didn't get it yet. No, no, I I don't know what they've done. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, but they're they're good at it, and they'll do a good job. I'm sure of it. Cool. So, you know, one of the things that we we were also talking about, I mean, like, you know, I'm I'm really, I guess you could say, uneducated and new to the entire, you know, this L.A. art thing. You know, and, you know, it's always uh, it was really interesting talking to you about like earlier about like, you know, the contemporary art, you know, and I don't really see much of it. I would say like, you know, nowadays, in the, let's say in the last 10, 15 years, simply maybe it's because I'm just kind of locked in my own little bubble of, you know, um this we all kind have of, our spheres of influence. Yes, yes. <laughs> but like I'm I you know I'm genuinely like interested in like you know like what your thoughts are of like LA Los, Los Angeles as an art destination city. I think LA is has always been a, a place that's made a lot of art. Um I think that the, the the reputation in general of Los Angeles as being a point that people pass through or or they've been in for a few years and then they leave, has uh, unfortunately been cast upon art coming from here as well. There are a lot of fancy artists, uh, fancy American artists, whose career began in L.A. And I think that their um, that the light and their uh, their styles of painting represent that and reflect that. And certainly, New York is the epicenter of the quote market mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but a lot of that has come from LA and I think almost begrudgingly, but inevitably uh, people as scholarship continues, etc., cetera, um, that, that people realize that a lot of the art in America is influenced by or came from Los Angeles. So, mm-hmm. and I, also we're on the, the, 
as it were, the, uh, the Pacific Rim. And so we, therefore, are closer to Asia and to some of the other places that are uh, becoming huge art uh, consumers and uh, aesthetically oriented places. And, uh, and New York will never be there. New York is it's closer to New York from New York to Europe than it is from here to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, they're, they're very Eurocentric. Right, right. But, like, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, how, like, I mean, it sounds like you've, you know, been, you know, following very closely, you know, the evolution of Los Angeles, you know, and stuff like that. Well, I have, you know, as much as I, I live in this duality where I try and, be here and I try and be a gallery and I want to be someone that represents local artists and and I see all these trends and stuff but at the same time I've also got that deep and abiding African streak (laughs) and so and so I'm kind of stuck in both worlds at once and I designed or developed a a a perception that uh, that that these two worlds can collide and they can make music that's beautiful together. Um, and that means that African art, good African art and good abstract expressionists or good. Anything goes together pretty much, Hmm. but certainly, um, I had access to, uh, for instance, particularly Ed Moses at an early age in my career. I, had my first solo show with Ed in 1984. So, oh. and I basically started without any information about art. Mm-hmm. I just knew that this was something that that I had a great deal of, and I bought these buildings, and I said, well, this is a great opportunity for me to become an art dealer and to support my going to Africa habit. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's how it started, really. And, um, and so... And so some of the people who are my original benefactors were um, people who are very much involved with contemporary art in Los Angeles. Like it's like art royalty, right? All the names, uh, very much. All the names you've mentioned, it's like Los Angeles art royalty. It's yeah. all, all. And I don't really know them too well. I just know that. I just know their names. Like, yeah. you know, it's well, like, Marshall Weissman was one of my great pals. And uh, her brother is, of course, Norton Simon. And uh, that's. The, the, the two of them together, they're powerful. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're MoCA, uh, the LACMA, uh, all those museums have, have slowly uh, grown into there being uh, more than regional art museums, and they're very much the thrust of international politics and art at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to my particular involvement... Um, Ed Moses is probably the guy who, uh, the artist with whom I shared the most time and listened to the most. Um, I had 11 separate shows with him during his lifetime, which is probably more than anybody else ever had. Uh, and, and every time, and at this very table where we're sitting, I, Ed came to maybe 100 dinner parties. I used to have a lot of dinner parties, mm-hmm. and uh, and Ed would always come, 
And he was one of those people who never wanted to be alone at night and you could call it the last minute, which was the way that it always worked because it was fish or something that I'd caught or shot. <laughs> and uh, you couldn't really predict when the when the party was going to be. Well, I've, so, been to, I've been to one here. It was amazing. Well, yeah. stay tuned. Yeah. There's more. Um, so can you also talk about, um, I guess, there's also like a lot, I, there's a lot of like art history just in this West L.A., like Sawtell area. Right, I mean, Sotel is, is amazing. But yeah. there is, there is. Like, can you explain what the Jans family did? And it was right there, like like well, f- the four Jans blocks, is, four the, blocks the down. The Janses right? are diagonally across. The, Ed Jans built that house. It's on Corinth. Yeah, or, that's that's. I'm sorry, is it Corinth? Purdue. 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 Yes. Yeah, 1945 Purdue. Yeah, and and that's that's uh, just diagonally across from our house. I've, I've heard that there's like there were like parties there all the time art some some absolutely some, some kind and of ed, art parties. Ed, ed jans was a major player in 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 yeah. the contemporary art scene and i met him a couple of times he would come in here uh with this guy walter hobbs who was this great incredible eye in a state and he was part of the uh the gallery that made the 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 cool school happen um the cool school. The cool school is what they called the original galleries, uh, the original artists who came from Southern California. Oh, and uh, that would be Ed Ruscha and Billy Al Bankston and Ed Moses and uh, Tony Berlant later, a little bit later, and uh, I don't know. Andy Warhol started it. It all started at the Ferris Gallery, and um, so. Ed was was one of the original people at that gallery. Um, wow! I'd imagine that name, the Cool School. The yeah. Cool School is Whoa. what they call them. That's now. like I mean, there's so many names. Is there is there anything like that today, Luke? That you've heard of nope. equivalent? Do they name it themselves, or does someone? I give think it the name? that that was done by filmmakers. Somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they weren't. Uh, Afraid to call themselves part of the cool school. Wow, and it sounds more like Kenny a jazz Price. thing. Yeah. Than, yeah, well, it was very much a jazz era uh, situation. But Robert Graham was in that group. Uh, lots of people, mm-hmm. and they've largely passed away. They're right. all in their nineties or would be, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, Ed Ruscha's still around. Ed Ruscha's still around, he, and he's he, fine. Yeah, he actually uh, bought a piece from a show uh, maybe th- six months ago or less. He bought, I love he, Ed. He came in and picked it up, and I, I saw him, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is Ed Ruscha. But, yeah, well, that's all Ed, I can Ed, say. Ed has been here. <laughs> he picked I, it up himself, and I'm like, that's the guy. But that's all I can say to myself. Yeah. And he left, and I was like, that's the guy. Shay is a wonderful wonderful guy i wish i would have said more than that that's all i said oh my god that's the guy but he's he you know he he literally changed changed the face of american art uh in any case uh he was he was also part of this of this group and i guess what i was trying to say was that uh i realized that because of my focus on field collecting, that I went to Africa to buy stuff, and I brought stuff back that I bought. Um, and there was a natural uh, affinity that it showed towards uh, some of these painters' works 
uh, who were concurrently uh, big deals in Los Angeles, that that sort of became my market. Mm -hmm. And so I started through juxtaposition again, um, making it available. That so People saw my stuff as being closer to contemporary mm. art than they saw it as African. But then sometimes. at the same time, I mean, I think the Eames, right, the Eames family, they have like Afri a collection of African art as well that was mixed in with their mid-century shelving and furniture. It well, was all together, right? There's, there's always been the first, the first uh, uh, sort of outside besides the gallery space that I had uh, that showed my work was the McGuire Furniture Company. And they sold rawhide and rattan, you know, uh, fancy, uh, all kinds of uh, furniture that was made in the Philippines. Mm. And, um, again, juxtaposition was everything. If it could be seen in the right context, then it, it could be something that could become part of the visual vocabulary of the people. And eventually they'd come to me to buy it because I had the best stuff. Wow. Do they... Do you mind if they have no idea what they're picking up? You know what I'm saying? There are certain objects in here that have never been sold, and that's because the people who liked them were unworthy. Whoa. <laughs> I love nice. That. Thank nice. you. That's, that's great. Well, because um, there's going to be a lot of hipsters who are just like, yeah, that would look really cool on my shelf next to my uh, plastic doll figure or something, my Ken doll. Well, you know what I'm saying? That's, like, that's fine. It's but, just they don't, that but they might not care. You know, there's just... Well, see, this this goes back to one of those basic conversations that I have often, um, so-called replicants, which are copies of things that uh, can be made very inexpensively and appear by the dozens or more I think from I, Africa. I think I have an, someone gave me an object like such. Yeah, uh, well, I have they're one great I, souvenirs. I have no idea what the heck it is. Yeah, like, but, I, I but have they're, not, they're not, in my mind, real. They're not things that were made within the, uh, the concept of, the, of their, their being something that was important either to a ritual or to a traditional life within those, for those people. And, um, and so they, they're secondary. They're, they're, not, they're not important. Um, so how do you tell somebody that uh, they're not worthy to? Oh they, my God! How do you do it? Not easily. Or teach me. How do you? do Well, it? you you just. I, I need every sale I can get, but I mean, I want to know. First of all, when it happens, I want to know what do I? Well, how do I do this? What you do is you just look at them and say, "Oh no, <laughs> that's the beginning." No, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> it depends. You know, there have been people also who bought, bought great stuff from me when I needed money or something. Uh, and that's, that's a different, a different potato altogether. Sure. Um, but the people who come in who espouse no knowledge and, and all they're concerned about is getting stuff. They're not my people. And so it's fairly easy in your own place to ignore them to the point where they're going to go away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're just yeah, there's there's junk collectors or stuff collectors, I guess, and they just don't. Well, care. there are people that come in and they say, you know, I made you an offer on this three years ago. What do you think? And I say, well, I still think the same as I thought back then. Fongu, huh? 
get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So I one one thing is I guess for anyone who's watching from home, um Ernie's wearing a uh, camouflage. Can you talk about your attire? Because um I've unless somebody finds the right <clears throat> photo, I don't know if it's online or not, they won't know that that's what you look like every day. I I like <laughs> camouflage. It's uh it's dressy and it's nice. And it celebrates again all the the different Okay, I'm a hunter. I like hunting and that's why camouflage and I are together, not as a fashion statement because I felt that particularly here in Los Angeles that it's a good idea to wear it as it were on your shirt that you're such and such that you you might believe in in things that they would possibly be surprised uh, about and uh, and I I wear camouflage every day yeah. and I have for most of my life and I just like I wear short pants short pants are easier to rationalize because having gone to Harvard School which was a military school and going to school in the valley wearing wool long pants in September, as I did, uh, claustrophobia set in on my legs. And I've <laughs> never been able to cover them up since. Wow. And then uh, your wife wears uh, an animal print. She does. Every day. Right? Yeah, she does. All the time. Yep. Yeah, so it's a camouflage and an animal print. You guys are that's perfect. Some people would say that's prey and predator, but who's who? <laughs> You know, mm. yeah. So, what's what's the last time you went hunting? Last month. All right. What did you get? Like, what's the what did you what did you go and get? Yeah, what this kind time? of game do you look for? Um. Well, I, you know, as Joseph Bertier says in the painting in the kitchen, the fact remains you must eat it. So I try and shoot things that are good to eat, mm-hmm. wild boar. Elk, deer, antelope, those things. And so those are pretty much my quarry. So do you, like, have a freezer full of... I have multiple freezers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We eat, we eat uh, game uh, meat or fish probably three or four times a week. What, what's your favorite, uh, I guess, game meat? Well, that depends. I, moose is pretty spectacular. Never oh, tried, really? Never moose tried is it. great. Never tried it I've tried boar only uh, once, and uh, I, I really liked it. But moose, I've never tried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's or it's, elk for that matter. I've never tried elk. Elk is elk, elk is excellent, and cows, cow elk, female elk are certainly better than bull elk. Um, but it's all good, and uh, since my sons. Also participate. We have a lot of meat. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's probably better meat than, you know, what you'll get in a supermarket. Well, that's, it's, it's, you know, it all, to, to believe that just because it comes in a styrofoam wrapper with plastic, that it's not from a live animal is uh, foolish. Oh, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's, it's more about the factory farming. And oh, well, all of that. All of that is just, it's wrong. And, and and we do sort of jump a lot of those barriers by, in effect, harvesting our own food. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've done that. 
you know, I went to Africa originally as a scuba instructor, and when I taught scuba diving, I always taught uh, game preparation and uh, and uh, cooking, and uh, so I've been always into that. Is I there mean, a since game? Since I was a little kid, or is there an animal that I mean, like I know you can't eat skunk because you know the. Uh, what you call it? The glands. The glands, like literally, permeate the meat. You know, right. You know, but like, is there like a? The general rule is, <clears throat> sorry. The general rule is that if it eats meat, it isn't good to eat. If it eats grass, it's good to eat. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Like, so lion is not lion. I would never. I would never. I have no problems. I would never shoot a lion or a bear of any sort. Unless it were attacking me, but um, but so bear meat sucks. I've never I've never heard of bear meat is really for hungry people. Okay, yeah, or sausage and stuff like that. No, it's not no good. good. Okay, not good. Yeah, well, I mean, um, pigs are omnivores. I know that much. It depends where you get them. Mm. If they get a chance, they will eat. They will eat meat, of course. Right. But they, generally speaking. the Adele Davis moment, uh, you are what you eat. And so if they eat barley and, and uh, baby carrots and, and uh, grapes and such, they're delicious. Wow. So wait, you mentioned diving. Um, I mean, sorry to get dark all of a sudden, but tell us about your, you know something about that boat that caught, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I, exploded I, or whatnot the, in the, Santa Cruz the, Island. The yeah. conception, yeah. yeah. I when I was uh, became a scuba instructor, there was a guy named Roy Hauser who owned a boat. Uh, subsequently, owned a a boat called the Truth that was up in uh, it's still up in Santa Barbara. And the conception is the sister ship to the Truth. And so, back in the day, I had. Uh, when I was a scuba instructor, I used to do weekend stints as the dive master on those boats. Oh. And so I'd been on the Conception a number of times. It's 100 miles up there, and uh, it's far. And so I, I, I stopped diving those, those boats quite a while ago. But I certainly know a bit about, about them. Um, I think that... that so very specifically, it was lithium batteries that caught fire. Um, again, judging from from my perspective, from where they were diving, um, and the fact that it was Labor Day weekend, um, I think it was not your most hardcore group of divers. They were obviously very competent divers, but they were photographers, and that's why they were on the uh, what I consider the front side of, of Santa Cruz Island and in the Lee. And, uh, and so nowadays when they take pictures, they put them on their computers, and their computers have to get, uh, get uh, plugged in at night. And there were just, you know, only so many outlets and, Somebody had a bad uh, a bad battery, I bet. Oh my god! And it caught fire. Oh, there's the salt water, the moisture. There's the so many, so many things. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, um, 
when last week when uh, we, we we brought the the subject up, um, they had mentioned that like you know they had found they were able to recover all of the bodies but one. They got the last one today, and they got the last oh. one today. You're but, on it. You're on top of it. Yeah. Well, no, I I sort of have to be, and I'm fascinated by it as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and but then like I was listening to NPR on the way over here, um, and they had mentioned you know the the lithium ion like theory, and it, I, it, I it, don't it, know what else they could have had. There was no propane. There was no there was no other source of ignition right. that was commensurate with that. I mean that was just an explosion of fire. Yeah, yeah. And those guys all died, so... Yeah, it's a tragedy. It was really bad. And it seems... I mean, like, you know, the fire started from... It sounded like, you know, the bottom, lower parts of the ship. Right? It might have. I, I don't know. I, I haven't read the, the latest things. Right. Um, but there's a whole bunch of boats that are probably just exactly the same, but I know some news outlets paint that boat as being problematic. That uh, boat looked to me like a deluxe cruiser. It's 75 feet long. The The, the bunks are relatively spacious in comparison to some of the fishing boats. And um, I do not agree. They, that, that, that's like one of the favorite um, misnomers that people who don't hunt talk about is, and please don't get me wrong, uh, Dick Cheney was, <laughs> was really bad to have shot his friend, the judge, but he never shot him with buckshot. It was birdshot, and there's a huge difference. And to sort of paint it as that that those are the same is not correct. Wait, what's what's the difference? Buckshot is for shooting deer, and you get nine pellets, and each one's about as big as the end of your little finger. Uh And uh, you can't be hit by one of those and not die, pretty much. It's very hard on you. Whereas the... Uh, bird shot is much more plentiful. It's like sand, and uh, and lots of it goes out. And it, uh, you know, anybody that's been hunting has been peppered with bird shot. I'd say um, this guy was unlucky. But in any case, it's a big okay. difference. No, there was a big know. difference. There was a big. There's a big Dave Chappelle skit uh, uh, a bit about buckshot and birdshot on the latest one. Oh really? Oh yeah. I must have missed it. I thought I listened to it and I don't remember. Oh yeah. No, but, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Even the, the the great Keith Oberman, I remember saying that they'd been shot with buckshot. Oh, he's a news news guy. Is that? Yeah, he's a news guy. A news guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you've been and you've been hit by birdshot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Because sometimes, you know, it's a, it's complicated. But but basically, there's high base and low base shot. And if you're shooting doves, you shoot low base shot. And you don't want to be hunting around people who shoot close to the ground. And those are people who could spray you with shot, or you could be in the wrong place and. You know, the shot could carry a couple hundred yards. It's not like it hurts you. Mm-hmm. It's just you hear it falling and sometimes strikes you. So when they shoot those clay things, is that birdshot? That's birdshot. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, buckshot I would it. be – buckshot is 100 yards, and it's enough to kill a deer. Right. So it, it's, it's totally different than birdshot. 
I don't know how he got here about Birdshot. <laughs> we were talking about, I needed about to the know. boat. I needed about to know. About the boat. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the I, they're almost like, in some some news outlets seem to almost demonize the owner and his ship. Well, and I'm, it's sure, kinda, you know, I'm sure that that's, that that's easy yeah, to do. Sure. And, and I'm sure that there will be those who, in order to get a story, will yeah. will attempt to do so. Everyone, so want, you know, uh, everyone wants to place blame. Right. Yeah, Quickly. and it's easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do believe that uh, that that the world will be safer as a result of that tragedy. Absolutely, that they will have uh, better uh, firefighting equipment, and they'll have uh, they'll have better electrical systems to charge batteries on. They were interviewing a, a diver for that article I was listening to, and she was talking about like the fact that they were um, she had bought uh, equipment that would encapsulate her um, right. devices. Right. You know, so if there was if they caught fire, if it caught fire, it would be controlled <clears throat> or right. You know, extinguished. You know, and I, you know, I think that's that's kind of one of those things that you have to think, you know, we don't think about it too much in, in our modern world simply because we well, unless have, you fly in airplanes where they tell you, if you have a certain kind of Samsung phone, right. you can't bring it aboard. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or you have to check it with your luggage or something. The old six, actually they don't allow lithium ion batteries onto uh, checked luggage. anymore. Right, right. You As know. they undoubtedly shouldn't you know because like if, if something like blew up because of the pressure and uh the um who's to say what could trigger it right exactly it's um you know so i don't know i think that like you know we we are spoiled by our you know by the fact that like you know a majority of our devices are, are stable are relatively stable you know but like you know when you're on a, a ship in an environment that is not the same environment as being on well, and they're, and they're, they're, you know, there's always an overcrowding. Remember that those boats were made for a very limited number of plug-ins. Right. And suddenly there are not only the phones, which everybody has, yes. but there are computers and cameras and flashes right. and strobes and all that other stuff. Right. That Maybe under, all of, underwater lighting. I don't know if they have course, such thing. Yeah. Of course, they, that's yeah. the flashes and strobes yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of – until uh, the LED lights came out, really the only powerful lights you could get were lithium lights. Mm. And I know that from – certainly from flashlights from hunting is that uh, you would get these little lithium flashlights – and uh, lithium battery powered, and they, you know, it cost twenty bucks to put batteries in them. And suddenly, then there were LED lights that you could run triple uh, A's or double A's on, and cheap batteries, mm-hmm. and and they didn't get hot, and uh, they couldn't blow up. So I think that it's a point in time about lithium that there will that. This is part of the uh, the foot that's going to kick them into the corner. Mm. Uh, I don't think they'll they'll be the the end all for all. No, no. I, I in think the, the future. Th- I think. I mean, like we just we kind of need this technology right now. Right, and and it's and it may have run its course, and and again, the systems on the boats were built 
before the 80s, right? Well, I think that maybe it was 81 that 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 one was built. Maybe it was 70, 74. I don't know. It was a long Mm -hmm. time ago. Um, But the the point is that those that those that the technology of the boats and their ability to carry the all the electricity has changed, Mm -hmm. and and I think now. They will be very careful. Yeah. Well, I hope yeah. so. Me too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I think the first person I uh, hit up was either your wife, Diane. I was like, uh, does Ernie know about this? Because I woke up to that news. Yeah, it was terrible. And then, uh, um, yeah, no. She said you know all, knew all about it. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. That got dark. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Was, that was a, a deep pit. But but before we go anywhere, there's one last thing um, we got to talk about. Are, are these coffins? The FAVs. So, so we're talking about okay. dark stuff. Well, coffins. Yeah. Those are coffins pretty dark are too. Coffins are great. Yeah. I, 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 and I would love to, uh, like, can we turn the, the camera just for a second toward the lobster? Because I think, like, you know, we... we we have to like let people see what oh, we're talking yeah. about here because that thing is fucking amazing. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's yeah, my personal go. ride to the beyond. Yeah. Um, so, is um, there water? Uh, let me see. I only, I only have mine. Yeah, I've got a. There's a sink. A here, let me um, sink and any glass. Let me get you some water. Yeah, my voice is. I wasn't sure if this was just photo your... soto. I wasn't sure if this was just your voice anyway. No, it's not my normal voice. That doesn't. It's crackled out. <laughs> no, just get it out of the sink. It's fine. Yeah. So the deal with the coffins. Yeah. So um, um, you've got these. They're they don't fat, look. They're, they don't. They don't look like coffins. That's no. The they, that's yeah. the point. Is they're 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 a, a wonderful animus celebration of your life, and uh, they're meant literally to. To celebrate your achievements or your aspirations. Yeah. So these coffins, in case uh, any well, in case um, you're just only listening, um, they look like, I mean, some are like maybe six feet, seven feet, five feet. Oh, I don't thank know. you. All different sizes, but they're all different shapes and usually carved out of wood. I assume they're carved, right? Well, they're they're, they're what we call carpentered, which means made out of many pieces of wood that are nailed together. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff from Africa is. Quote monoxal, which means carved from a single piece of wood. Um, however, in this case, they they did carpenter these things, and the only uh, nod to modernity that they included is really that uh, they use bondo. They love bondo, <laughs> bondo that you put on your car, car. so that it'll car take bondo. a yeah. yeah, so that it'll take a great uh, a paint job. And so with that, they're able uh, to to paint them up very realistically. Yeah, um, in your in gallery number one, you had a a fish, a carp, uh, or a red snapper. A red snapper, yeah. And then you red had fish. Re- there are traditional coffins that are made for people within that context. That you know, it's sort of off the rack. You're you're you're, you're about to die, or you're just on a whim, you go along, and if, if you made your living as a rancher, you might want a cow, <laughs> or or uh, or a fisherman, you might want a, a red snapper if that's how you made your living, right. or a lobster if that's how you made your living, or a sardine, 
or yellowfin tuna, mm -hmm. whatever the species of fish, they're very good at making these uh, these conveyance vehicles. Yeah, the um, the, the fish much. that you have on display, uh, which in case you are in the L.A. area, is on display until Saturday. Well, I've, I'll be having – I will show an FAV or two yeah. always. What's an FAV again? So Fantastic Afterlife Vehicle. Which, okay, so did you, did you I make that I invented that one. That's you. Yeah, okay. that's me. <laughs> that's, that's a playoff of, obviously, SUV. Right. You know, they – how many, wait, how many of these do you have? Because these are kind of I big. have a lot of them. I actually, <sighs> like movie? around 100. So, wow. I have the largest collection in the world. Oh, my and, gosh. So who uses these, like, for real? Like, are these, or are these becoming a thing where there are fakes now being made for tourists? Like, is, that, is there such a thing? Because these are too big, is my... Yeah, like, well, you, I... You know, I, I the, this storage is a nightmare. This isn't like a movie poster, <laughs> though, correct? Like no, a, they don't roll up. They don't fold up. They 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 take a lot of space. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so these are and these are were I to try to uh, to excite my wife, uh, the mere mention of FAVs would probably do the trick. <laughs> She's not a big fan necessarily. Of, but you but you have a hundred of these. Yeah. Yeah, because that's. That's the way it is. Uh, it's the best way to do it. So, so you, you, I, I, I've, I've consciously purchased uh, work for, by these various workshops and artists over the years of 30 years that I've been going to Ghana. And, uh, and uh, so there are traditional uh, style coffins that, that are, you know, that are, are available that you can get um, at any time, but it's the ones that are so weird that uh, that they are specifically made for somebody uh, as a custom order that are the to me the most interesting. Speaking of weird, you have another, you have two on display in gallery number one. One of them, of course, is the redfish, but the other one, like I don't even know what that that was. Well, that's <laughs> that's actually. Within the trifecta of 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 your of your FAVs, um, you get a big one that's for your body, right. for your dead ass, and so that's <laughs> that's where the lobster, the big lobster, comes in. Then you would get if you bought the the fancy funeral, you would get a stool uh, where the caryatid element, the vertical element that uh, that that demonstrates the, your your affection uh, would be along the same side. Uh, and so uh, in this case, it would be a lobster, and there's a lobster. That's right. You have the smaller, there's a lobster. The smaller one. Yeah, and yeah. then there's a, the third. The third is the uh, so-called treasure box or something that was kept topside that was not meant to be buried um, that would hold your effects, not as a reliquary. It didn't hold your teeth or your or your uh, hair, but maybe your concho belt or your special kente cloth or your boots or something that you really enjoyed that your family would then treasure and keep in your uh, in your remembrance. So that's what that third one like. What what, what was that? Is that like a well the I one can... that's in the the smaller one in the in the in the other room is a completely uh, invented by whole out of whole cloth by Theophilus Neonum Soa who I consider to be 
the, the greatest coffin carver. And um, it's his work that I've followed for, for decades now. And uh, he was the chief of the workshop at Connie Quay's. Connie Quay is the guy who at least I give credit for having uh, invented this or at least popularized well, when this. Was, when was that? Or this was start? starting in the 50s and 60s. Wow. Um, there are those now who say that this tradition came from a palanquin uh, that was a figurative uh, vehicle that kings were carried in or important people. Um, that may well be, but there are no examples extant. Um, and it kind of goes right from there back to whoever hit the tree first with the axe was the first person who started the palanquin come FAV uh, phenomenon. Um, my view is that uh, Connie Quay was the guy because he was the one who popularized these and made them uh, a part of, of the visual vocabulary again of the, of the people in Ghana so that when you drove down the coastal road through Teshi, you could see them on the side of the road, and that's where this one came from. It was so-called off the rack. And there might have been a Mercedes-Benz and a tuna fish and a, you know, a redfish. Well, you have and a, I saw a crab, right? There's the crab, crab is a traditional yeah. uh conveyance method. So they, they would FAV. carve a Mercedes-Benz out of wood? and Well, they and made it out of lots of pieces of wood and nailed it together. But the car coffins are very popular, and they would customize it with the license plate uh, so that you could identify it as being yours. So have you ever been able to show all 100 pieces at the same time? No, 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 I haven't, sadly. I would love that. Um, but you know, everything changes over time. And so my skill was that I was able to get them here intact. But that means that some of the boxes that they came in are not very good for viewing them now. And so in order to get them to the point where they can be seen, they have to come out of those boxes. And sometimes the only way you can get them out of the box is to destroy the box. And that means that you've got to make a new kind of a crate that's, uh, shall we say, not got as much wood in it. And um, and then you can see what's, what's inside and what the condition of the inside is. So you haven't even opened some of these? A lot of them I haven't opened. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. They've been sitting in there for a long time then. I'm, I'm the one Decades. thing. Decades. Wow. The one thing I'm concerned about is, like, you know, this isn't like cured wood. This is right. Well, no, it is. It is actually there. There, there's several types of wood. Uh, the ones that were made made to be buried immediately. Sometimes they're made of very light wood. Right. The ones that were made to be shown uh, over time are made of a stronger wood or mm. a harder wood. Okay. And so I have a combination of the two. Yeah, I was, I was just but, wondering, you know, like splitting and or, you know, parasites. Parasites, not so much. Mm. Uh, the boxes more uh, are the, the, the ones that, that, that get the bugs, mm. um, not, the, not the coffins per se. Um, and if they do, you know, it's, it is what it is, and you have to fumigate them. Right. 
Um, and it's fairly obvious that powder post beetles have been at work because you can see the little droppings, the little, the little piles of, uh, of sawdust that uh, signify that they're present. Mm, mm. But that hasn't been a big problem. Someday there has to be an FAV show. Right. Yes. Well, I've had a number of FAV shows, yeah, but, 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 a, never, but never, never a big one. Yeah. And so it's, you know, people always mistake how many you can put in a room and really see them properly. And uh, uh, I probably had five shows where there were six or eight coffins, and that's about it. Mm. And um, so somebody really needs to be able to show them all at once. Big space, it would yeah. be fabulous. So why are you the lobster? Is it because you've gone lobster diving, lobster hunting? Yeah, I'm a, I, I also figure that... that, that it's sort of a karmic situation that the more you celebrate lobster, the better you'll do ultimately as a lobster catcher. And so falling in and upon this, this great lobster gave me the opportunity to wave the flag and say, I honor you and I, and I really respect you. So please give me your flesh. And, um, and it, it's fairly well worked. I mean, if you look around here, there uh, there a lot, are a lot of lobster parts. A lot, a lot of lobsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So the lobster became a, an idea that I just kind of went with, and I like it. It is it, you. You are the lobster. I am the lobster. That 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 the FAVs is one of those things that you just can't like peel your eyes away from it's so intense well particularly when you consider that it wasn't ever intended to be viewed vertically nor <laughs> was it intended for this room and yet it fits perfectly um actually that one was originally in the other room and i did a show with this uh, relatively famous uh local artist who said get that piece of shit out of here it kills my paintings <laughs> and so I had to carry it out, and I just carried it from that side to this side, and it fit. And so it's never moved in it's 20 perfect. years. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Any, it's other, nice. any final questions? Um, so you, uh, from what I understand, this is uh, the show. Well, you know, one of the galleries I haven't seen is Gallery 3. What is – does Gallery 3 have uh, its own kind of aesthetic? It's It's more similar to – yeah, I think that, that the area where you show stuff has something to do with the way the stuff looks. Sure. Um, but the show is is an amalgam of, of various uh, styles of, of, of contemporary American and contemporary African. Okay. So um, it's, it's more similar to 1653 Sautel, the, the uh, Ernie Wolf Gallery. Okay. And did, uh, this is the only one that's such a junk heap. <laughs> it's, it's not a junk heap at all. It's it's, rad. It is, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, but like, so um, from my understanding, you have um, yeah, Gallery Three's plan. Your uh, I know Gallery One's show is ending this Saturday. Um, Eventually, I'm going to have a new show in Gallery Three, mm. and in the meantime, I'm going to take some of these paintings and rehang them over there. Okay. 
So and Gallery so, 3 is kind of like a permanent collection kind of thing. Yeah, whatever it is, it is. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of relatively new, right? It's it's, it's new. Like year, and it, maybe a year old? It's a year and a half old, yeah. 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 Mm. And it was the last time that Ed Moses was seen alive was uh, for the opening of the show that came before this one. Mm. And uh, I think within a week after that, he was gone. Mm. So... Um, in any case, it's there's a lot of nostalgia involved. Yeah. So well, but um, how? When will you have your next opening after? Um, well, the 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 21st is the first big opening, and that is Francine Matarazzo, who oh. is whose work are on those two cards, mm-hmm. and um, she's she's a great painter and uh, someone who does collages. Uh, or at least uh, brings in all these different elements. Uh, and uh, I've watched her work for, for, for a long time. So she's going to be shown in this one gallery, and then this gallery will pretty much be the same. And then uh, 1657 will ultimately have a, uh, a, a different show in it. That may or may not have some Francines in it. Mm. Cool. Is she a local artist? She's a local artist uh, who's who, because of her children's situation, etc., hasn't really been shown for 25 years. Oh. But she's a very has a mature perspective and a great hand. For instance, I did a show uh, in New Britain, Connecticut, a year ago uh, of movie posters and. In their permanent collection is a Francine. And I walked through their permanent collection. I said, oh, look, there's a Francine. And so you can identify her work once you, once you sort of figure out how it looks. It's pretty obvious that it's her perspective that you're looking at. And her hand is very identifiable. Excellent. Awesome. And um, you're open here, what, one day a week? Well, these days I'm, I've, I've, you know. I mean, this is how you, this is how gallerists 30, do it. <laughs> Thirty-eight years on the frontier I've had, so we've had every version, um, but currently we're open just Saturdays because it ends up that now, gosh, ten years ago we built a house that's five blocks away, and all things being equal, I'd rather be there than here. <laughs> Uh, and so, and so, I don't want to walk in here ever. And uh, that was in my top five. I think was coming to the gallery last Saturday, and seeing how fresh and great the place looks. I I love walking in here and sort of having my breath taken away as well. It's it's a it's a it's not only a spiritual, but it's a it's a wonderful feeling for me. To uh, to walk into a place that I'm that familiar with, and yet it, there's always something I can see a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and uh, that's exciting. And you need that six days off to. No, it's <laughs> it's just it's just that I'm over there, and and I learned <laughs> when I had my gallery at the Bergamonster that I could not really effectively do two things at once, and that meant that I couldn't have written the books about. The movie posters had I not left there, which I did, um, and so that's why in 2000 the one book came out. In 2012, this 
second book came out, the Extreme One and Extreme Two, Extreme Canvas, um, and and so there, if you just want to be a gallerist and sit around and do that, this is a great place. But I have other interests, and in order to to fulfill them, I've got to have that flexibility. If I'm here and somebody comes by, I feel obligated to talk to them. Right. And oh, yeah. that's a big problem. And when you come here on a Saturday, uh, and you're nice, you're not one of those persons that uh, gets gets uh, treated badly, right? Those, no, the, no, no, no. The, the bad they, collectors. The, 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 what do you call them? The... <laughs> Whatever you want to call them, the people who are, they're not nice people. But uh, they, no, for the for the most part, if you come here, you get a tour. That's what I noticed. Right, well, and that tour is hey, you're using a lot of energy on that tour. It's it, there's only so much you can do in a day, and I love you to bur- you, spend all that energy. You burn very brightly on every tour. So, yeah, well, yeah. I like that. I like that. I That's think amazing. that it's important um, to give it your best. And I, I, again, I don't want to be here so often. That it becomes too familiar, yeah, uh, because that's uh, that's not good. Yeah. So, I, I do you have anything? Yeah. Uh, oh, I this is this is great. I'm yeah. so glad you know that we got a chance to like. This is my first time here, and um, you noob. I'm a, a lot, noob, and there's a lot to see here, and it yeah. takes it takes a several it takes several trips to sort uh. of get your. You know, like any place, um, you'll pick favorites and you'll and you'll see things differently mm-hmm. every time you come. But hopefully, the reveal is such that when you walk in, you'll go, "Wow!" And that's 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 all we can ever hope yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's this place is a lot of fun, and you know, I, I thank you very much, Ernie, yeah. for you know taking the time to be in our it's, podcast it's, it's my Thank pleasure you. i wish that i'd had water earlier <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just like I, I was like i already talks a lot anyway yeah so i figure no you don't need water yeah right that's what i thought but okay sorry about that <laughs> no it's okay it's okay yeah. okay um and the way i i know you don't know these kind of things all this the, the, these details but um if you want to reach uh if you want to check out um uh, we have the a Ernie website. Wolf Gallery. Uh, uh, you know the. Uh, we have a website. Okay. Well, that that has uh, that has stuff on it that well, our, our most recent shows and all kinds of things. Well, I, I know Instagram. It's Ernie Wolf Gallery. W O L F. W O L F E Gallery. Ernie Wolf Gallery. Uh, that's on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, your address is 1653 Sawtell, and you're at Ernie Wolf with an E Gallery dot com. That's you can actually, very true. And you could actually uh, buy the books there. Uh, I guess it's on Amazon too. The the, the books are on Amazon yeah. as well as in yeah. the gallery. Yeah. Yeah. And awesome. uh, you'll be again. You'll be in New York in October. In October for my big show. Do you know what dates? Yeah. Day? The the Start. show opens on the seventeenth of October. October seventeenth. Everybody right. in New York City. In the Chelsea, and yep. you could go and like get sit back and absorb like tons of other art. You know, while you're out there, because well, it should be a great revelation to walk in and see things that you seem to think you're familiar with, like the artwork that's associated with a particular movie, only to find that different strokes for different folks. <laughs> and that, 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 that that what we what we might have uh, intended as the uh, 
as the way to, to get people to look at a movie is not the same as what they did. But yet, there's a universality of, of cinema that's, uh, that's so wonderful. And uh, this is just another point in time where people did it a little bit differently. If you're if you're not familiar with the uh, Ghanaian uh, movie poster phenomenon, I, I would seriously recommend you know looking it up, uh, Google it, or go to like Ghana movie poster hashtag the hashtag Ghana movie poster on Instagram and you know, take a extreme get an canvas here. my book extreme and canvas extreme canvas two one and two that's those books yeah. they're the Bibles as yeah. it were yes yeah. whatever yeah. you want to call them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Cool, man. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Thank you, Ernie. Thank, Thank you very much. Yes.